0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a commissioned prestige podcast for Robert Eggers, The Witch. Very excited to be receiving this. Credit goes to Joey Mohan uh, for commissioning it. We'll get to his dedication and uh, some of his observations in a minute. This film was, as I mentioned, directed by Robert Eggers, who is the genius slash madman behind The Lighthouse and The Northman. He's currently in a deal with... Uh, to or negotiating a deal to direct a miniseries based on the life of Rasputin and is also uh, going to be directing an upcoming Nos- Nosferatu remake. Uh, cinematography by Jaron Blasky, who also uh, was the guy that shot The Lighthouse and Northman, want to shout them out because I think a big part of Robert Egger's work is, uh, you know, capturing that light on gla- uh, with the glass and uh, score by Mark Corvin. Who also did the score for the Lighthouse is very distinctive as well. It stars mm-hmm. Anya Taylor Joy, who I don't think is this. This might be her cinematic debut, actually. It is, yeah, it is okay. Uh, who was also in Shyamalan's uh, Split and Glass, and of course, uh, Netflix's The Queen's Gambit. Ralph Ineson, the who played Dagmar Clefjaw in Game of Thrones, also played a Russian commander in the the early goings of Chernobyl, the HBO miniseries. Kate Dickey, who is Liza Aaron in Game of Thrones, might be uh, in the Breastfeeding Hall of Fame for yeah, for her. Making a her. career on, yeah, feeding children. Really milking it, Jim. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, feel, I feel bad. <laughs> I feel dirty. Uh, Prometheus and The Last Jedi. Some ch- fantastic child performances by Harvey Scrimshaw, Ellie Granger, and Lucas Dawson, who are young but haven't actually done anything the last five years as far as I can tell. Uh, finally, Curtis Car, uh, Caravaggio, who plays the devil in this film. Mm. Uh, but Expanse fans might recognize him as the captain of Jules Pierre's Meow's luxury space yacht in uh, season two. Okay. <laughs> Pretty crazy. bald move connection there. Mm-hmm. Jim, We I know for a fact your first experience of this film because we saw it in the small art house uh, theater in my neighborhood together. Yeah. The I think the week it came out. What did you think of Robert Eggers, the witch? And how do you feel about it now on reflection?
1: Uh, I remember seeing it and thinking, man, that is the best horror movie I've seen in a decade, at least. Um, And watching it the second time, my opinion has not changed. I still think it holds up incredibly well. Um, The thing I love about this movie the most and the thing that gets me going as a horror fan is not like, jump scare, jump scares i look i like slasher movies and jump scare movies and all the, sure. the shitty horror techniques that you use to amp people up and scare them but what i really love is a creepy atmosphere with inexplicable things happening i i'm a big fan of supernatural horror movies because it you feel so powerless like even more than a slasher like i could kill a slasher right uh, if yeah. i had the tools or the opportunity whatever But this stuff like devil possession, there is no defense against this. And especially in this movie, when praying doesn't work, you're just you cannot be more vulnerable than that. And I feel like this movie does such a good job of establishing that vibe with its its atmosphere as well, where it's just like creepy the entire way through. Yeah, I love it. This is my type of horror, man. I think it might be my favorite horror
0: film, too. I'm not as big a horror fan as you, but I like it. And I definitely this isn't a horror film in like the James Wan school of horror films. No, um,
1: that's more technical, uh, right? Well, not even. It's just a different kind of it's like a
0: different type of it's more jump scare. scares yeah. and, you know, camera tricks and reveals and and things like that. Where this is just uh, horror in like an existential kind of uh, an oppressive wrongness. Yeah. Uh, uh. Uh. And and a lot of like, uh, you know, there's even like arguments that you can make that like is like, for, for is this actually happening? Is this family hallucinating? Uh-huh. Is the family tearing itself apart? And and this is their wild imagination running uh, wild with them. And I just really identified with the like religious themes and like the concept of like you know what if this could actually happen. Mm -hmm. um and there's a lot like i noticed there's a lot of people who are saying well this isn't actually a scary movie i think this is a scary movie really yeah like there there is at least one solid jump scare in it Uh um i can't imagine like there i saw so many people's like oh nothing happens it's boring (laughs) (laughs) what and like this is a 90 minute film that moves quickly and if you're at the third act and you're just sitting there like with arms crossed uh man this movie's not scary to me i mean i hey it's your subjective experience but i don't know man maybe you're not grappling with the material maybe you have to maybe you have to grow up in a fundamentalist household that believes in demons and shit because i did uh and uh yeah i i i know i i could see like really easily how that kind of stuff could tear apart a family especially if you're living in the middle of a new england woods where you only have occasional contact with people and um you know like the 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 edge of the dark woods is a scary forbidden place especially for children and this just you know much much has been made about this film being shot on like old with old timey cameras and old film stock and with like ambient lighting and candlelight uh, and the uh, inky blacks that this film uh, gets up to. Uh, and the soundtrack is like mother nature screaming in places. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Man, the use the, the animals
1: and children work. I, I, I could go on and on and I probably will. <laughs> Yeah. The thing that impresses me is how subtly uh, Robert Eggers is able and, and efficiently is able to communicate what he's trying to communicate here. Because there are a lot of themes in this, too, of of like themes of oppression, themes of sexuality and, and uh, of growth and change in in this family and in these children and like all of this stuff comes together just through the visual imagery and i noticed on this watch how little exposition is in this movie it's all just you're you're watching these people go about their days and you're just understanding what you're supposed to be getting out of this um and what's happening based on the images you're seeing and the way they talk to each other there's there's very little exposition and i love that about this movie yeah and there's so many multifaceted things
0: of of horror um there is the obvious uh you know witchery going on but there's also like you know what if we can't grow enough food before winter and starve Mm -hmm. uh there's the horror of being a a child pretending to be asleep while your parents are arguing about how bad things are going for your family there's a lot of um you know like like paranoia or just
1: nature itself yeah
0: yeah, like what if a wolf comes along and just takes off one takes off of one of your children? Um, mm-hmm. and, and it just like it builds and builds and builds away. I so I feel like one of the threads I saw in criticism of this film was there's people that think this film is overrated and they compare it unfavorably to Hereditary and Midsummer. And then there's people hmm. like me who think Midsummer and Hereditary a bit overrated, and l- really love this film. And I wonder if there's something because to me, all three of these films we just talked about, and I'll throw the Lighthouse in there too, just keep building tension and building tension, and are very effective and very creepy. But the guy, I, f- I forget the guy that's b- behind Hereditary. I'll look it up. Um, The way that guy directs his horror films is I feel like late in the third act, there's always something that he does that it's Ari Aster that something he does that kind of lets the audience off the hook or it's borderline Hmm. funny. And maybe some people think about that in some of the late stage stuff, because I've heard that like there's a moment there where things get real at the end of The Witch 2 and people like, oh, the movie lost me there. I feel the same. I feel the, the same way about hereditary and uh, uh, and midsummer. Whereas the witch, it just feels like from the first minute of the film, it's building this tension and this like feeling in the pit of your stomach, and it climaxes and never lets go. Like you never get to feel good through the final <laughs> frame of the movie. Yeah. Whereas, Hered- or like, I, I kind of start giggling in the last bits of Hereditary huh. Midsummer And that's not what you want to do in a, in a horror
1: film. No, I need to check those out. Because the other thing that's remarkable about this film, too, is it wears its horror on its sleeve. Like, it's not trying... In those moments you're talking about where, like, you're wondering, is this real? Is is something evil actually happening here? I think the movie is telling you, no, this is evil. This is the devil at work. Yeah, And It's only your your modern, uh, you know, skeptic mind that's looking at this and thinking, well, this can't be real. Right. Like uh, there's some other explanation for this. But the movie right off the bat tells you there are evil forces at play here. And this is not right. Nothing about this is right.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's because uh, that's the thing. Like I, again, I if I squint, I can see that pers- perspective, and there's I guess there's things that uh, Bobby Eggs put into the film to kind of like suggest that. Um, mm-hmm. But but yeah, like I, it's this is uh, it's like the movie Jaws where it's not a mystery what's killing the 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 the, the beachgoers, you know, like it might. There might be yeah. people in denial about it, and there might be people who really right. desperately, for various reasons, want it not to be. But the movie's got an opinion of what's eating those people in the water. <laughs> it's yeah, not an undertow. Movie. It's not a boat propeller strike. Someone didn't get drunk on their night swim, but they got fucking eaten by a giant fucking fish from yeah.
1: pre prehistorical times. Like, it's, it's Yeah. Uh, and then this and movie does is, that with the the baby disappearing. That, that That's a scene to me that marks like everything that comes after is like, that's an impossibility. They can't happen like I just saw it happen. Right. And yet it did. And so yeah. something is not natural here. Yeah.
0: And man, I again, the the child performances there because this the other thing I think people complain about and I can I can sympathize if you're at the theater and the sound's not perfect, or you might be like myself and a little hard of hearing. Uh, this dialogue is dense and mm. it's all done in like 16th century Puritan these and thous and doths. And um, I didn't have a hard time following it at any time. But like th- the fact that these kids, some as young as five years old, are delivering this like weird North American Shakespeare dialogue. And not in like a stiff, like theater, like Shakespeare in a park type of way. Like I, mm-hmm. I love it when you get like a a staging of Shakespeare where they talk like coll- colloquially in that you know, like uh, the, the,
1: that dialogue. Yeah, and this like it's they like use it all the time.
0: Yeah, like the, the the emphasis is 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 modern. Like you know, when the the dad's screaming, it doesn't sound like uh, somebody. Doth thee verily? He's he's actually right. like yelling at his kids because he's pissed off at them. and that comes across. Uh, yeah. I just think the kids in this film are fucking incredible. Um, and, you know, having mm-hmm. kids that can pull off horror and you're also like, uh, I guess, famously, the, the the animals in this film are not the easiest to work with. Um, you know, you're working with children and animals and natural lighting, like the, the directorial difficulties are like 10 out of 10 on this movie. And. Yeah, it's kind of you know like if it, it, it's interesting cuz you go to Rotten Tomatoes and this this gets an 80%, which feels to me low cuz I love this film. 80 like, was
1: 90. I thought it was a lot higher.
0: Oh, I thought I looked it up and it was like in the low 80s. But um it does seem like it is it is a uh, a, a little bit of a um a, contra- a polarizing film because I think people either universally say it's yeah. amongst the best horror films I've ever seen or it's massively overrated
1: yeah I mean that's the thing I see like I want to know who the 10% of critics here that didn't like this movie are and why like what what have you seen that I've not seen that makes you not like this movie and the audience score is shameful I mean 59% yeah uh, it's, it's not fresh according to the audience and shit like army of the dead gets a 75 fresh I'm like that is a piece of shit movie that never should have been made this thing is a masterpiece I don't know what you're seeing yeah but
0: I said, man, there's like usually I'm if you go to like uh, Reddit's true film, you'll get like uh, something that approaches like the the movie critic score. Um, But I felt that's what I was like. I, I got progressively more and more pissed off just reading threads of people's contemporary opinions on this film. Because I can only assume just a bunch of callow youth, teenagers from, like, Beverly Hills and Malibu walked into (laughs) this movie on some sunny day. And, like, what the fuck is this, dude? What the... Just fucking move, man. This place sucks. Like, (laughs) you know, what's up with the fucking old naked chick, man? Like, it's like, yeah, if you're taking that kind of energy into it, then, yeah, maybe you hate this film. But holy hell. Because I... Yeah, this this film terrified me and like kind of haunted my dreams for a couple days afterwards. Yeah,
1: uh, and the imagery. I mean, we haven't even talked about <sighs> truly grotesque, horrible imagery in some of these shots. I stuff the likes of which I haven't really seen. I mean, you can look at things like human centipede, right, and some shit that like Cronenberg gets up to, and there, those are horrible images. But like, there's something unsettling about the things I'm seeing on screen in this movie that I just don't see in other places. And it's the way it's shot um, with with that high contrast black, like you are in a void watching these horrible things happen um, and there's nothing else to distract you from it. It's like the central focus of everything that's just horrible. It's horrible, grotesque. I love it. <laughs> And, and I think the thing that separates
0: the horrible and grotesqueness of this movie is the intimacy in which they're all occurring. Yes. Um, there's something where it's like the way the things they're being framed and shot. It's like, I shouldn't be here watching mm-hmm. this thing. Uh,
1: and yeah, I'm seeing something truly evil happening. It's yeah. yeah. And it
0: also feels so real. Like yeah. uh, in the way, uh, um, you know if you if you grew up on bed knobs and broomsticks like this is like <laughs> if there were going to be witches in the 16th century woods of North America they would fucking look and act and and live like this uh yeah. there's something just utterly solid about the the or unpretentious about the 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 way this this kind of like folklore cuz this is something that like that's the other thing is like you have to put your, be willing to put yourself in a mindset of these pilgrims mm-hmm. who this is not superstition this is not a religion that they clock into on saturday they they wear they 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 roll out of bed at 11 o'clock and they hit the the 1 p.m thing and they're wearing their blue jeans and they're they're sipping their starbucks these are this is people uh that there was no separation between religion and life there wasn't a separation between magic and nature it was just all a bunch of unexplained scary shit that could kill them at any time you know, and these are take people their children who, out of this, this snatched, snatch the life out of their children in the crib, uh, make their crops wither. Like, you know, yeah. they don't know about the alkaline nature of the soil and they're trying to plant a European crop in a completely different cut. They just know that the she ain't working, man, and it's
1: killing mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And these are these are the people who, you know, are, are came from London, right, to find a different life because of their religious beliefs. It's yeah, this is integrated into who they are. Um, as people in every aspect
0: yeah i thought there's like other some really interesting notions like what it's like to be the eldest child that has dim memories of like we used to live in london and we had glass in our windows and cobblestone streets and then we lived in a in a colony where we had walls and a neighborhood and kids and now we live in the fucking woods Mm -hmm. and we don't have anything like yeah like and the, the experience of like the multiple generations of ch- children like the eldest remembers the middle one kind hey and then the kids have no fucking clue this has just always been life to them uh that yeah. that kind of contrast in, uh, of, of what it was truly like to go to an alien world uh with people completely unlike your own and try to strike out and make a life uh of that uh, of that is because of religious relig- religious persecution and mm-hmm. looking for opportunities something it's hard to empathize with i think uh do we want to get like we should probably this is a good point to like uh, get to get to some of joey's thoughts and then we can move on to a detailed uh, spoiler uh discussion cuz i don't know that like the dis- i i here's the setup for the film uh a puritanical family is a little bit more puritan than the and <laughs> the puritans they get, right Yeah, they get their ass kicked out of their community for some unspecified crimes or just, you know, rabble rousing. And the father takes his family of five out into the woods to 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 follow Christ the way he really should be. Um, And shit starts happening. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh it's only 90 minutes like this is also like you like, like this, this this has got the feel of a movie that might be 3 hours long um but it's it's a brisk and it it just never kind of stops doing stuff uh Joey says in January 2018 I got in my truck and drove to Quantico Virginia to begin training at Marine Corps Officer Candidate School I was so nervous while driving that I stopped on the side of the road and considered turning around and going back home Luckily, I threw on a bald move podcast and continued on. You guys really <laughs> helped me stay calm that day when I was so nervous. I felt like throwing up. Wow. Eventually earned my commission and became an amphibious assault officer. That sounds badass. Mm-hmm. Uh, a year ago in Jan- on February 8th, I woke up in the middle of the night after some training with my Marines and was unable to breathe properly. Originally, I thought it was COVID. and I took several trips to the local urgent care for testing. However, I ended up being diagnosed with late stage heart failure with an ejection fraction. Uh, the Whoa. metric of how efficiently your heart pumps blood to the rest of your body of only 5% causes unknown. I was only 25 at the time. The news that I would re- eventually require a heart transplant was quite shocking. I can't even imagine. man.
1: So yeah,
0: a week ago, I was readmitted to the hospital. With severe blood infection it was causing my heart failure to worsen. I will be remaining here in the hospital with a special pump called an appella in my heart uh, to help it work well until transplant. I got several pieces of feedback. Cause this is like, uh, you kind of a nail biter here. Um, I am going to skip this. Like, it turns out that uh, uh, he has gotten his heart transplant and is is recovering nicely. Good. Um, okay. uh, he's all he says, he goes, uh, however, I've, I pulled through and I'm writing this message to you from my hospital bed doing much better. And I figured I've always wanted to commission a podcast with you guys. So now's as good a time as any. Wow. If any of your listeners are considering registering as an organ donor and haven't done so yet. I would absolutely like to encourage it, as is one of the most selfless things you can do with your body. Jim, I'm an any all guy, guy type of guy on my driver's license. How about you? Any all? Yeah, take them.
1: What yeah. do I need with my organs after I'm gone? Exactly.
0: And then again, like I, you know, like uh, I know people feel squeamish and like you know maybe they want to. Uh, to present their body in a coffin and, and it's my understanding that you can you can you can donate a lot of uh, organs and still leave a good-looking corpse for people yeah. uh lots of skin lots of st- stuff and 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 your family will be none the wiser so maybe I, there's some
1: witches out there that need organs to grind true up. i don't know it's true you want them
0: harvesting unbaptized babes like what if they can right? make use your in- intestines to fly uh sure yeah, um, I, I, I want to echo that. I, I encourage everybody, if they haven't given it much thought, to think about it because it can make a huge difference to people's lives like Joey here. I'm super excited to commission one of my favorite films of all time, Robert Eggers, The Witch. The film stays uh, stays in an oppressive tone that's perfectly suited for the subject matter the entire way through. From the stylized tone to the era, accurate dialogue to exceptional child performances, Robert Eggers really came out of the gate swinging with his debut film. I commissioned this while I was in a uh, hospital as a get well gift to myself. I've always been a huge bald move fan. I'm excited that we can complete your guys' Robert Eggers coverage. I'm constantly surviving and thriving, and I have a few observations, questions for you guys. Uh, We'll get to those after we, Jim and I, talk about the film. Um, My, my oh, wait, wait, some general observations. I want to go to the observations, and we'll save the questions for the end. Robert Eggers is an outstanding director. For his first film, it's remarkably stark, arresting, strange, and most importantly, fully formed. I think the tone in this is nonstop and fantastic. Unlike Robert Eggers' other films, there's not a single spot of intentional comedy. In the film, it just goes darker as the mental state of his family deteriorates. That's true. Like, mm-hmm. the lighthouse bleeds awesome tension in a scene or two. The <laughs> oh, Northman yeah. does, big time. Yeah. This doesn't give you a fucking minute of respite. While I'm watching this movie, I get a gross feeling in the back of my neck that I'm watching something I shouldn't be seeing, like when you stumble upon a truly gruesome video on. That's a good, like the type of feeling you get, like when you see in somebody dying for real, like, oh, shit, I shouldn't be watching this. The cinematography and the score are excellent. One early sequence really sells the film's tone of impending doom. It's a slow zooming shot of the family riding into the wilderness while singing hymns that focus. Then it's focused on swaying trees, followed by a hard cut of the family huddled around a fire with complete black around them. The wailing music playing over top both shots really gives the audience an uneasy feeling mm-hmm. something about these woods is just not right, or maybe even angry at the family. And a stark cut to the family huddled around a fire emphasizes their complete vulnerability to anything that comes across them, whether it be a wolf, a witch, or just starvation and elements. Every performance in the film is fantastic. Anya to- Taylor Joy is great, in what I believe is her debut role. Harvey Scrimshaw, who plays Caleb, gives an awesome performance with a standout monologue. Ellie Granger and Lucas Dawson, the twins, are super creepy. Ralph Ineson and Kate Dickey are also fantastic. Um, okay, let's talk about this film. Um, I want the, the first thing. My first opening salvo is: Who is the witch? i think it's anya taylor joy
1: i think it's Tyson.
0: yeah and i didn't realize that until the end of the movie when i'm like yeah you can't it's because because the it's structured as like the witch is the naked lady crouching out in the woods and she By is way, a witch
1: but she's not the
0: witch the witch is about the how this witch gets it's an origin story of mm-hmm. a super villain or a superhero depending on whether you're a hail satan type <laughs> sure. um And there is a little bit of uh, there is a little bit of um, um, emancipation, uh, Uh, liberation
1: uh, in in this film. Yeah, I've I've heard people say that this is like a coming of age for a young woman, you know, in in like the sexual kind of way, like understanding more about her body and her sexuality and stuff. And like, I I see that in this movie. Totally. Extremely dark Uh, labyrinth. Where David sure. Bowie is a goat? Yes, <laughs> yeah. David Bowie is a goat. David Bowie might be the he would play a good devil. He'd play like, a great yeah.
0: devil. Yeah, wasn't Jared kind of the Satan. Like he's not 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 kind maybe of, he's Tim Tim Roth legend, but he's he's there. Mm-hmm. He's in the same neighborhood.
1: Yeah, totally. Uh, that's a good comparison with Labyrinth because yeah, that that's in there.
0: You mentioned there's not a lot of exposition because like I. Remember having question marks about why the family found themselves in the situation they did. And in the second three, I still have no, they don't care to explain. Was this guy railroaded for political reasons, for religious reasons? Is he just an asshole? Right. Uh, is he delving a little too deep in the, the local elders hypocrisy? Um, or is he just a blowhard that can't get along with anyone? Um, I thought the. Yeah. I thought the movie was also interesting in that, like, it took me a long time before I could, because, I, and I still don't know, is this dad bad at homesteading, or is he just up against an unstoppable supernatural force that wouldn't allow him to succeed? Because that, that, I, I, the other thing that jumped off uh, related to this is the firewood aspect of this film that mm-hmm. I completely didn't get the first time through, but the amount of wood this man chops in the film directly. It, 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 uh, plots his mental decline
1: Yeah absolutely you can see him uh, Chopping under under Stress uh, later in the movie When directly behind him Is like 10 quarts of wood already Chopped ready to go You're thinking, getting, Yeah and it's, it starts
0: off Neatly stacked it gets to the rafters Of his house and then like uh, the last scene In the movie
1: it's like a mountain That he's continued yeah. to chop because that's all He can do right and, and Ultimately you know spoilers here But it falls on him not delivering the killing blow to him but it, it falls over and, and crushes him thematically it's the,
0: yeah. the coup de grace right you know uh-huh. it's, and it's it's like I think that's supposed to be emblematic of his pride because yeah it seems like he was awful spreading the blame around and then late in the film kind of realizing that like oh this failure is mine and I should never have done what I've done and it's it's too late
1: mm-hmm. yeah just spare my children uh yeah, I don't know. I, I definitely picked up on the the wood stuff in this movie, too.
0: I talked about how, like, maybe this movie doesn't work unless you have a bit of a fundamentalist um, or at least sympathetic of what it would be like, willing to entertain the concept of what it would be like if you believed in all these things are real. Where, like, to me, this movie spoke to me very early because when mm-hmm. the, you know, five minutes into the film, the kids are riding in a wagon and and the families are, and they're being led in song they're singing praises to jehovah
1: uh-huh anytime <laughs> like, i see right. the word
0: jehovah in anything yeah. i'm like okay. yeah okay they're banging out the key and to me that like like rooted i remember in the film when i was watching it in this movie theater kind of chuckling that like okay like we got this type of christian and yeah. a lot of this stuff like plays out like the family dynamics um where like as a teenager when, you know, I remember my mom and my dad, like, you know, when you start going through puberty and you grow hair and you start shaving, they talk about you being a man. Right. Um, so biologically, they're like, you know, or if, if, if you're a, a, a lady and you get your first period, your mom tells you you're a woman now. But in a conservative household, they don't really mean that because they mean that like you're be- but like they don't want you to start having any manly or womanly thoughts or problems. You know, they want you that they want that part of you to maintain an eternal child virgin while recognizing it's like it's such an interesting congruence. And I think to what your point about this being coming of age, I felt like a lot of that from Thomason, where her mom is recognizing that she's more and more becoming the lady of the house. But, you know, any kind of like urges or desires or or normal wants that a child would want to have and how fundamentalist religions make it like all your problem. Like mm-hmm. if things are going great, it's because you've made God happy. And if things are going bad, it's because you fucked up, man. You know, like that scene of her beating yeah. herself up for having normal desires. I'm like, man, I'm not really super into praying, and I kind of roll my eyes behind my my parents' back. Please deliver me from this evilness. It's.
1: And that scene, that scene in the woods with, uh, Caleb and his father, where he is telling him about sin, you know, and getting him to repeat the things that he's taught him about the sinful nature of every child and how that just crushes this kid when he thinks about his disappeared brother, uh, Samuel, who died so young as to not have an opportunity even to, to avoid hell, right? The fires of hell, right? uh, Which is where all sinful people go, um and, and wondering like, what did he do to deserve that? There's, yeah, there's so much of that. And I, I love the isolation too here because that feeling, um, at least for me when I was a kid was very isolating. And I had people around me, um, who were going through the same thing, but even that didn't help. It was like, I understood like how crushing to the spirit that religious, uh, that those ideas can be, um, especially those puritanical ones. Um, when when you know you can feel the changes within yourself you can feel your your mind and body desiring certain things and changing in certain ways but you can't acknowledge any of those it's it's forbidden to right and it's like the isolation in this movie putting them out in the woods um away from society where she can't even like what, what are her opportunities here right um She's to go she's work in, the, in this a, situation a servant
0: to the neighbors that live five miles away, you know,
1: because right. even that's not her choice, though, right? It's like her parents sh- are no. going to bring her there and force right. her into that or or not right. um, either way. She doesn't get a say in it. It's yeah, there's the setting in this movie is very good because it's so isolating that it reflects the the isolation you feel within those kinds of scenarios. Man, that's that's a
0: really astute point, because like the way you talk about it, um, being going through puberty in a like a repressive a religious environment feels like you are turning evil because you look around. It's like my parents aren't changing. My routine's not changing. My environment's changing. But I'm ch-, like, why isn't. Like, why am I not content to go to church anymore? Why am I not, you know, why am I having these feelings, these urges that I've been told all my life is are bad and evil? Like when I was eight, I wasn't right. lusting after women. Now I'm lusting after women 24 seven. Like, and and you just turn that that anger and hatred inward. And like you said, like we were yeah. surrounded by people, our peers in that situation, Well, we didn't feel open to talk about like, <laughs> no. y'all ever have any doubts in the existence of God or you you ever, you just like, you know, to just take your penis and give it a savage beating. Uh, like you, you <laughs> would never, you would never and like to, no, to, to understand, to understand that, you know what, these are all normal and we're all going through
1: this. That, that outlet is cut off to you. Yeah, that's because the idea of that is antithetical to the religion, right? Like you, you can't view this as normal. You have to view it as something that is corrupted, right? Right. Um, It's part of your sinful nature that these things are even happening. And so to say, to admit to somebody else who's in that same situation that you're having those feelings is, is beyond the pale. You can't do it. So you just, (laughs) you just shove it all down and hide it. And it's stifling and, and. That's the actual corrupting influence right there,
0: right? And like by it's t- also by the time you're a teenager, like a middle teenager, you understand that like if you take these problems to your parents or the elders or people you respect, the answer, the prescription's always going to be the same. We'll pray about it, work sure. harder. Yeah. And so, like, why would you go after you've heard, been heard that, like, you know, hey, I'm having this problem. Well, you should pray about it. You should you should uh, throw yourself more into the ser- service of God. You should humble yourself further. Um, and you, you so you do that a couple times. And like eventually when you realize that doesn't actually work or it's not working for you, then it's even more isolating because it's like the the feeling of inadequacy or being wrong or bad
1: even sets in further. Yeah. And I think this movie is interesting in how far it goes with this concept because you know, she's got all these shackles on her of this puritanical religion that is holding her in this stasis that she no longer identifies with. And by the end of this movie, she has not only broken those shackles, but she's seemingly taken on new shackles. It's, it's, it's a story of extremes, right? She goes from this puritanical religion to this devil worshiping cult that lives out in the woods. Um, it, so so it's strange, right? The movie doesn't say like, hey, you could you could remove yourself from this situation uh, and have a good and healthy and normal life. It just kind of swings to the other side. And I don't right. know exactly what Eggers is trying to do with that, trying to say about it. He's definitely saying like both of these things are shackles and both yeah. of these things are are abominations of, of thought and abominations of humanity. But like, where is the middle ground here? How, how would Robert Eggers path, like choose a path or chart a path from Thomason who's in this puritanical religion to a healthy, fully realized Thomason?
0: It's funny because I don't even know that Roberts or the that uh, he thinks about in terms of that. I think he just tells the story and like there's a lot of things you can draw on his family dynamics and relation to religion and sexual repression and stuff like that. But I don't know that it's intentional. It's more of like, well, Thomason at the end of this movie can either go to back to town with her Mm -hmm. dress in tatters and her hands covered in blood and her family being killed by mysterious forces and she'll be a witch and she'll be burnt yeah or she can go because like i don't think she really believes in black philip that was i that's the other thing i uh found interesting the second time through is when she goes in she like, she's like i uh, like uh this has happened to me it's broad daylight i'm gonna go in i'm gonna put my head down and the movie has the first of its its endings and she falls asleep she wakes up she hears a noise in the barn she goes in and she she asks black philip like are you, you know, or are you? I, I want you to speak to me. I'm conjuring you. I know you speak to my brothers and sisters. And she kind of like harangues it for like the uh, animal for like a minute or two. And then she's like, well, fuck. And starts like, like doubting herself, starts to turn and walk away. Then Black Phillip speaks to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like she's like, oh, all right, my family's gone and it's devil time. Uh, the scene <laughs> yeah. of her stabbing her mother to death and her sobbing about that because this is not what she wanted um i thought that was another thing that's that's arresting too because her mom's like and seems like for a long time has been harboring these jealousies and these feelings of of uh, uh regret and remorse towards her daughter and it all comes like tumbling out of her mouth at this at this situation but like man no one in this film has got a great life because of this sh- like you said the shackles they're wearing like the dad I think is pretty sympathetic um, he's the only guy in this film that's got agency he's calling all the shots so <laughs> right, he like right. keeps it together for the longest but like this is a man who's so far gone into his religion that when his child says dad my infant brother who didn't get baptized is he in hell so said sets son no man can tell you that right <laughs> can't be like you know what he's a baby he's innocent he didn't like because they taught about original sin and we we're all born with it and the only way to get free of that's baptism and a life of service and you know i i thought that was so horrifying that that yeah. when he just sits and because you these this this dad i think the mom's a piece of work but this dad sure. clearly loves his children and his family very very much
1: uh-huh
0: but it's like that light, that that genuine light beaming from his heart, is goes through that prism of the religion and is separated into all these terrible, terrible things that that, that come out when that love tries to express upon his children. And the yeah. like only like like the almost genuine scene is when like uh, at the end of the movie where Thomason runs out from that crazy exorcist seance scene, <laughs> and her dad like tackles her and like holds her, and like I felt like that's the only time where that light was allowed to shine unfiltered but by that time it's too late because the whole fucking family has gone insane with fear.
1: Yeah. They're cursed and everything. There's also an element of like the, 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 the witchcraft, I guess in this, or the devil represents like a wild chaotic universe. Right. And then the right. puritanical aspects represent a more structured societal, uh, like human ingenuity and all that in the face of the wild Control versus chaos. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and maybe that's, you know, where Eggers is going with this this final scene where she turns into the witch. Um, it, it's not so much like the extremes of, of these two religions, but it's more like giving yourself over to the chaos of the universe, um, not fighting against that and working with it. Although, like, it's, it's tough, right? Because everybody I, I think everybody identifies the devil and witchcraft as something that is evil. You know, nobody's like, well, I don't know. There are Wiccans out there who love witchcraft. I'm not going to say like yeah. Satanist, they think it's yeah. evil. Sure, sure. Satan is sure. Um, but <laughs> they've they
0: reframed to the say Satan is like Prometheus that brought us truth and light and reframed sure. him as the hero of the Bible, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's tough in the face of grinding up babies and rubbing their their entrails and viscera on your body. That That's tough to describe anything good to that particular brand of witch. Sure. But, but yeah, I mean, So, certainly for me, when I'm watching this, I'm thinking, okay, this witchcraft and this stuff is evil. How do I reconcile, like, giving yourself over to a wild, chaotic universe with anything good? When that universe and that that chaos is represented by something so obviously, to me, evil.
0: Yeah, and I think you're supposed to understand, because, like, you know, so just in this case I don't want to get email from Wiccans I understand that like if you're a Satanist or a Wiccan you don't feel about the devil this way and that like witchcraft doesn't involve grinding up children and like maybe that's yeah, yeah. A, a slur that the church put upon your people um, but like this this universe that, that, that takes it as like the the the, the devil is evil um, right. and I think that they did a really good job with showing the seductive size of the, the devil like that devil's yeah. a handsome man sure. and elegant and refined and, and the, the
1: beautiful witch lady in the woods, right, is very attractive and seductive. And then the life that you can get, uh, what do you desire? Right. You want to live deliciously, as the right. Thing says. But, but the thing is that there was a point
0: that um, I, I didn't because I did a lot of research. I knew I was going to like this movie and and I, I and I, I want to know more about it. Then Robert Eggers did a ton of research. Um, And one thing he came away with uh, was like, if you look at. Uh, contemporary accounts of like witchcraft trials and like witness uh, testimony, victim testimony, I should say, the things that like got them into like uh, putting into a compact with the devil was like uh, the devil offering to do their chores for a weekend, or like a pretty dress, or their favorite treat, because these people's lives were so fucking miserable, and the idea mm-hmm. that you would ever like retire or take a vacation, just a respite. From the dreary, drudgery darkness of their life was enough for the devil. I thought that was really cool that the devil offers very modest, like, would thou like the taste of butter and a pretty dress? Mm -hmm. And she's like, fuck yes. But you see the actual life of a witch. And it's it's not, I mean, unless it's just raw exercise of power of the natural world, it's not a delicious way to live. It's a crazy (laughs) fucking insane way to live. Uh-huh. um so like the the you know like it is a very empowering sequence at the end uh but on the other hand it does feel like a trap because you understand that like in yeah. 50 60 years she's going to be this crone grinding up babies and with not a tooth in her head uh with no no love or comfort i kept on things so like what are, what are these witches relationships with each other Like (laughs) after they're done on all fours, getting fucked by goats or whatever, and then twirling their hair around like at their Megadeth concert. it's ever just like, so, Hey Karen, how have you been? I haven't seen you in this part of the woods for, is there any camaraderie or sorority in that? Or is it all a bunch of vicious infighting and jockeying for Satan's power? Because like, yeah, there's like, uh, this is not a happy ending. Like you can, uh, you can maybe see it as like a a woman's empowerment and getting out from under an oppressive system, but she's going from that right into an abusive moment. Multiple, multiple level yeah. marketing scheme. You know, like
1: that's the thing. And, and what is, what is the movie trying to say with that? Is it trying to say that that she is a broken person because of everything she's experienced before that? That she will then look for something else to replace it, and when she finds it, that thing will be just as bad as the thing that she came from, like out of the fire into the frying pan kind of thing.
0: Or is it a cautionary tale for parents, like of target fixation? Like if you're afraid. That your child's gonna be this or that, that you might push them into uh, that direction. And yeah. also, like, well, if you're gonna say that I'm a filthy, disgusting pervert, then fuck you. I'm gonna start sleeping. Like, if you're gonna think that of me anyway, I'm just gonna start doing it. You know, like if you call me, like, you right. call me a witch enough and say that I'm from the spawn of Satan, then. But but the other thing is like, I, I don't know because I don't think you can read too much into it because it's it's all it's not like she made the psychological choice that I'm going to, you know, my parents are still alive and my brother and sister's there and I'm going to start conjuring, you know, no, it's like she was
1: seduced into
0: it and, and unle- not even seduced, like not even left a viable choice or an option. Like there was no is like the devil taking yeah. her by the hand or starving to death out here or being killed by the village elders when you, you know. Uh, come back under. Yeah. So like it's, it's hard to say like what kind of life lesson, like there's, there's definitely allegories and stuff there, but I don't know that Robert Eggers is trying to do anything, but really creep the fuck really (laughs) creep you out.
1: And that's the thing. The the movie starts with a title card that says the witch, a new England folktale. It could literally just be that it's a folktale and it's so accurately portrayed, or at least as I understand, you know, he did a bunch of research. He understands like he went to great length, um, akin to like a Stanley Kubrick would where he wants to make these things authentic as possible down to hiring thatchers and carpenters who, who work in the style of the 1600s and were able to recreate an authentic uh, setting for this. He sure. he went as remotely as possible. He wanted to film in new England. He couldn't do it. So he went as remotely as possible up in Canada, I think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, until he found the perfect location uh, and and that was great time and effort spent on that. And then, trouble as soon as he saw it, as soon as he saw
0: the Val he dropped to his knees, put his hands in the air, and this ghostly demonic orchestra fired up. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> just like the dad, like this is the place.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I I, I don't know. I, I yeah, you're right. It could just be this is a folk tale, not to be taken, not to be read into too much. But I was reading. I was reading it.
0: Oh, no, I, th- I think, yeah, Death of the Author and all that. You should take anything from art you can. Uh, you mentioned Kubrick, and boy, this this film is Kubrickian, right? There's a lot of The Shining's DNA.
1: I think so, yeah. It's what In, I love
0: about The Shining, that atmosphere it creates. Yeah, the atmosphere, the music, uh, the really restrained discipline camera. Like, there is the slowest of zooms. Like, mm-hmm. this movie makes a meal of, like... Uh, you're going to spend the next 30 60 seconds looking at this creepy ass stand of woods while the music gets progressively wilder and more chaotic and the film is pushing into that scene zooming in just imperceptibly just and that's like, that's another thing that I think makes it feel wrong like. Uh, all these cinema tricks are done in very weird and off-putting ways and very restrained, controlled, locked down ways. And it 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 makes yeah. it, it, it that and the music just makes it feel extremely oppressive.
1: Yeah. And they, they waste no time on that. The music doing a lot of heavy lifting in this movie um, they, they they get out to the woods and you're seeing, you know, the father rejoice on finding this place, this location. And then you get a shot of the woods that those strings kick in those chaotic cacophony of strings that just creeps you out. It unsettles you. And, and it and goes, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead with the music stuff. Yeah. Well, I
0: was going to say like, and then like, this movie doesn't waste any time. Cause like you're at the 10 minute mark yeah. when she's playing peekaboo. And you had that first, uh-huh. like extremely scary, uh, wood string music. Like, uh, I think Joey here said like the land is angry at the family and she's playing peekaboo with her child, their baby. And, You know, my memory of this film was like, there was some, there's some like, uh, you know, argument about whether this was real or not, but she literally puts her hands over her eyes,
1: moves them and the baby's gone. Yeah. And I'm like, and she looks up and you see maybe some trees moving from wind or maybe something had just moved past them very quickly. But no, nothing human or inhuman could have possibly
0: covered that. Like no wolf could have covered that distance. And, um, and, and and like I, I think that what you understand is she probably covered her eyes and the witch conjured her to like she went to like a fugue state for five, ten minutes. Like there's a out there's like some kind of uh CCTV footage of Thomason standing there with her eyes covered for like five minutes and like drooling out of her mouth or something. Um But either way, like it's like they, the movie hits you right away with here is an unexplained thing and it, by the time you might be thinking, like, well, it might be this, might be this, he's also gonna move on to a scene of this naked crone, yeah. hair unkempt, uh, you know, with her talon fingers tracing all over this just child's body. Um and like I like I, I there's a bunch times where I'm freaking out. We're like, well, how far is this movie going to go? I'm terrified. <laughs> Are they actually going to show a knife enter this child? Uh, and and it, they don't. But like, boy, the movie's always threatening you with how fucked up as the imagery about to get.
1: Well, I mean, it gets uh, as fucked up as it possibly could. Um, it, I, I think like they show they don't show the knife entering the child, but they do show the aftermath. They show the bowl of Blood and viscera from this child and and the implication of what they've actually done to this child, which in my mind is grounded up like it's it like a giant mortar and pestle. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's an herb that you're putting into something. It's like it's incredibly fucked up. It's more fucked up than I expected this any movie to get, honestly. Yeah. Um, And one of the creepiest and most unsettling things I've seen on film she's slathering all of her body. She's slathering on a broomstick so she can like the, you know, like these these, these things that conjure so she can fly. Um, And and that's the other Stanley Kubrick esque thing. You, you talked about this, you know, impossibility of, of this, the thing that happens with this baby disappearing. mm -hmm. Stanley Kubrick does that in his stuff, right? An impossibility of a setting like that hallway can't actually lead to where the movie shows you that it leads to. And it's, it just, it subconsciously unsettles you because you might not notice it and be able to point it out, but you feel something wrong happening here. And this is a little more overt, you know, this there's definitely like, okay, that baby cannot disappear that fast. Mm -hmm. How did that happen? But there's also that subconscious of like something evil took this baby. uh, And I just feel, I feel it subconsciously. Yeah, and his family
0: has to, and you can see like there's like the mother already is starting to doubt. They sowed the seeds of like the way she looks at Thomason, like fucking bullshit wolf. You did, right. you, you did this, you know, because of whatever. Um, I want to talk about because like I, this is something that Robert Eggers has acknowledged that uh, they they have, and there might be more than one, but they have let an audience a few outs. Like every there's a couple scenes where you can see that the corn is infected with a certain type of fungus. That is known to be hallucinogenic if you eat it huh okay but i don't buy it because like if the family is collectively having delusion like uh if if it wasn't for the scenes of the witch uh like with no one else around grinding up babies like if if all we saw of the witch was thumps on a roof and maybe her even late stage in the movie being with them all together. So it's a joint delusion because, but like, I think the movie, um, like, like, uh, Christopher Nolan in, in, in inception has a particular thing that it thinks. And I think it thinks that the witch is real.
1: I think so. Yeah. I agree with that. Cause it tips at hand, it's hand at the very beginning.
0: I like that. There is a little bit of the token wobbling with the, the corn infected by some kind of blight that can make you trip balls. But like, mm-hmm. You know, and there's like some of those things is like if it wasn't for those witch scenes, I almost wonder. I don't think it would be stronger. I like it that the witch plays with all of its cards face up. Like you're seeing all the curses happen in real time: the eggs being yeah. blighted, the goat's blood turning to milk, uh, the uh, the the crops withering unexpectedly, um, the the gun, yeah. the, the the brand new gun the dad get misfiring, almost blinding him. Like they're just cursed. Yeah.
1: And, and then you're left to wonder what is the source of the curse right what is, what is the sort of inciting event here because the finger is pointed multiple times in multiple directions they point it at uh Thomason they pointed at the young children uh the, the two youngest they pointed at black Philip they point it at mm. all kinds of things in this movie um and, and I do wonder like what is the what is the initial thing? Why did they become cursed in the first place? Was it the pride of the father? Was this land just cursed? Is this just a cursed location that the father, you know, praises God for in the most ironic of ways, right? Um, Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know that watching this movie even twice, I have a firm grasp on exactly what is the inciting curse event here. I feel like it is the children. I feel like Thomason might have pointed to the children's relationship with Black Philip and that Black Philip is the actual thing because he later turns into the devil, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But was he already here and are they settling a land that is already his and that's the initial curse or was it a pact the young children made with him? I don't know.
0: My thought is this family is in the wrong place at the wrong time that like this is a family that moves in. They have an unbaptized babe and the devil and the witches are licking their lips because, oh, shit, you know what you can do with the, the intestines of an unbaptized babe? And it's just uh, like, OK, they were a commodity. And that's the thing is like this family is they use up every bit of the family uh, for purposes evil. Like the children are gone at the end or maybe they're transformed in lambs that are slaughtered. Uh, yeah. the baby gets used for the flying ointment. Uh, the the mother and father are blood sacrifices, and all services to make the coven stronger by recruiting Thomason into their circle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like a, it feels like it feels like uh the devil's like taking a car to a chop shop and is breaking it down into all of its pieces for his, <laughs> his own for his own purposes and uses. Um, because yeah. yeah, like yeah, I, I don't know if the dad. Yeah, I, yeah if, he, if he had gone north instead of south outside the village, maybe none of this happens, but he happened to go into uh, a bad neighborhood <laughs> in the or woods. Or is it that's, the lies? I, is, it
1: lack of, if it, is it lack of adherence to it? Because the lies are there too, right? They make a big deal about the lies that he tells his family for the sake of his mother, right? She She couldn't bear him taking his child into the woods because that's so scary because they just lost another child. And so he has Caleb lie to her and, and he lies to her is that could that be it you, i just i, I lean yeah. toward your yeah wrong place wrong time cursed land kind of thing because it seems to make the most sense but they're not innocent either it makes me think as i was
0: also thinking this is like clearly this movie has an opinion about evil what is this opinion of god because why are these devout christians defenses completely invalid is it is it like a game right. of thrones situation where like the old gods are real and the new gods are bullshit like satan mm-hmm. and this uh this this uh um pagan magic is that's based in the woods and the beasts of the field and a communion is something great is that real and god's fake or is it god's perfectly willing to save these folk but because of the dad's pride and uh the brother's lust and the mother's greed and that he is just declining to provide them their protection because you're yeah that scene where they all start praying um and like caleb starts like uh goes on this crazy monologue about how much he loves jesus it doesn't feel like any like i don't know like do do you think caleb made it to
1: heaven or like that that last thing caleb was fucking jesus at one point like the the the, there's such a climax there for him of of joy uh it, it almost felt sexual and the stuff that he's doing like throughout the the movie like looking at his sister's cleavage and stuff and you can see okay this young man is also uh blossoming or whatever there's there's a weird sexual energy from that scene too for me like a religious oh yeah sexual fervor for christ
0: yeah uh i don't know how i i guess uh dagmar clefjaw directed that scene because robert eggers is like i don't have kids you have kids like you, you and uh huh. ralph innocent actually is the one that directed uh
1: harvey he's scrimshaw the guy, guy who plays the dad in this yeah he's the dad he William. actually directed that scene. Um, huh.
0: But I, I I wondered that myself, and it's it's clearly like a, a spiritual, uh, erotic kind of experience. Did you know that that is actually word for word a Puritan um, religious service that he found in no. the Ark? Like that that whole thing is about how much the guy loves God and ecstasy, and he hopes he kisses Jesus kisses him on the lips. That's actually from some Puritan minister.
1: It, it read to me like an Always Sunny episode where <laughs> they were talking about you know Max talking about how much he yeah. loves God in a very homoerotic way right 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 uh he wants he wants
0: jesus to come inside him like literally exactly yeah uh there's also the other thing that like i felt like inspired uh eggers i didn't feel like he, he mentioned stuff is like the old fairy tales where like not the disneyfied version but if yeah. you actually go read the original grimm's material where we gretel or she's grinding your bones to make her spells and the, the woods a dark and scary place. And there's even um touches of the red riding hood with uh, some of the outfits that uh, thomason's wearing the witch when she Hmm. transformed into the the sex her sexy self Uh by the way what a hot witch of course (laughs) my god yeah like that's she's that that uh the the caleb had no no defense against that that's the only jump scare in the whole movie do you agree when she goes to kiss him and all of a sudden the crone's hand grabs the back of his head
1: yeah it's the only one i can remember sure
0: um which is makes them all the more effective it's like right at the halfway yeah. point of the film um yeah that the, the, the and, and the way the witches like you know uh it gets turned into a gingerbread house but this is like what a witch's like hovel would really look like um yeah I, the, the yeah. design of it man it's so
1: good it, it is it's very cool um very creepy it that that witch who seduces him the young witch Mm -hmm. Is that a projection a la Melisandre in Game of Thrones or is that a another witch seducing him into something that is dark and evil as represented by the hand that grabs him?
0: I wondered that, too, and I noticed at the end that when they show the whole coven um, in action that there's some witches that uh, either are be, be bewitched themselves or have still retained their youthful beauty are not, yeah, not yeah. old and shriveled yet. Uh, and there's Thomason. She's an extremely beautiful mm-hmm. young woman. But my my headcanon says that that was that's what the old witch used to look like. And she can resu- like Melisandre. She can resume that form with the right amount of virgin blood and, and spells. Gotcha. Um, uh, yeah, that's where I was or, leaning like, to glamour yeah. the kid. Yeah. Mm hmm. Uh, those kids, man, are so creepy. Like when that little girl starts coming up and talking clickety-clack, clickety-clack, I'm the witch of the woods, and she's whispering in Black Phillip's ear. So we talked about like what was the original sin of this family. Do you think it's – so was it the baby was just too tasty, the unbaptized babe was too tasty, or did these little kids who had not had time to be fully tutored in Christ started consorting with the devil in the form of black? Because the other thing – uh, black Philip did not go into the woods with the family none of the am- animals did they must have gotten there yeah. and like traded for them or found them perhaps but I wonder like if, if those kids are the thing that originally got the family ensnared because it seemed like those kids were yeah. consorting with black Philip in an, an unhealthy way uh huh and was getting yeah, information yeah. that that you know they were the first ones talking about witches and stuff in this film and and Satan and connecting that with Black Philip,
1: and they do make it explicit that they were speaking with the the goat, right? It's it's and and whether that's like literal or or metaphorical, I'm not sure. Um, but they do show a shot of this young girl leaning down to Philip's ear. And making sheep noises. And Mm -hmm. I get the impression that that is a two-way communication there Mm -hmm. going on. And that she is hearing him speak in English and she's speaking to him in English and he's, you know, reading it in sheep, whatever. Um, So, yeah, I think there's a a possibility that it originated with these children consorting with the devil, um, making whatever kind of deals they're going to make or you know, giving him the fiddle of gold, whatever. It, but there's also I but, but I, I'm torn in two directions because I also do think there's something about this place that is also cursed. and they just happen to land there. Another thing that Eggers does that just generate
0: tension throughout the film is because uh, this doesn't usually pay off. but like the whole time the dad's chopping wood, I'm afraid he's going to miss. Uh-huh. and hit himself there's a scene where he's chopped uh, trying to find healthy fruit uh late in the movies chopping corn with a knife and i'm like oh god when when you heard that scream i thought it was going to be one of the kids and he says, oh my god dad just cut my his hand off like the idea that yeah. this family is so isolated that anything bad that happens to them they're going to be fucked um, uh-huh. and then there's the other like the the dad talking about how lucky their family has been like you know we have got five kids and we've only lost one of them that's unheard of uh, there's like little tiny details of that about just how truly dangerous things were. That you, you know, uh, you could get sick and die from some disease out of nowhere. Could wipe out your whole family. You can get, you can cut yourself and get an infection and die. Uh, just, just how fragile life was, especially in a community. But especially when you're out just on your own, yeah. completely isolated, even without yeah, the a witch. Day's ride this,
1: from, uh, from any help
0: yeah even without the witch this family probably has 50 50 chances of surviving their first winter
1: yeah i i want to go back real quick to the the are they twins the youngest two i wondered because they seem but on the other hand they could be
0: uh just like you know nine months apart you know like i i don't yeah. know it'd be hard to tell but they did look
1: exactly the same size yeah, I, I, I'm going to call them the twins. I don't know if they're actually twins, but uh, the, the twins in this exorcist style scene um, where, you know, the, the boy has been bewitched and he comes back to town and they lay him down and then all of a sudden he wakes up and he starts speaking. Um, this is an incredible scene. This is my favorite scene in the entire movie. Uh, yeah. It's, it's so unsettling in... in in the way that all the kids are acting. And I, I do wonder because I I look at the, the family here and I say, okay, who is actually cursed? And it's the three youngest children. And I think that's it. I don't think any of the others actually get a curse on them at any point, but clearly, you know, the Caleb and the two young twins have been cursed in some way by the devil. Uh, because this scene, when they start chanting, um, and and the kid is waking up and talking to Jesus, and they're doing the exact opposite. And especially when it ends, right when they when they go silent. Like that's the creepiest part to me is just like the fervor that they're in, and then the immediate drop of that uh, tells yeah. me like that is unnatural, you know. And
0: I love the way the father played, just being fucking terrified. Like for mm-hmm. the first time in the movie, he's not in control. He's not calling the shots. He's not the one that's like moving the pieces, and he's just like going desperately trying, like as if he can get the truth by just shouting. Yeah, like you know, get on your knees and swear. It's like you know, like uh, the the demon possessed person can't swear to Christ, can they? Well, I've heard that they can quote <laughs> you, and like, like because he's got nothing. Prayer's not working. Yeah uh the the wife's uh, woods you know magician shits or not physician shits not working he's bereft like his life plan and that's the other thing it's like uh, going back to our themes of like what it's like to be a fundamentalist is like it's heartbreaking his wife talking about i know that i become job's wife i know that i'm just as hideous shrew to you but she can't do like everything that the double down on her course of action just makes her more so. And she feels like a failure. But there's no option of like, mm-hmm. well, maybe you should just chill and take a step back and be kind to yourself. And and because that's not that's certainly not the Puritan way. It's certainly not a fundamentalist way to look at it. That like I've done everything as yeah. I can tell. Right. And I'm still failing. It must, must be, be because doing something
1: wrong. Yeah.
0: And and so I got to figure that out. And It's my fault. It's my fault because God's infinite and God's merciful. And if I even tried half as hard as I, I as I should. Um, yeah, it's that scene where she's confessing and it, it, it works in so many levels because you feel bad for the husband because she is lice, Aaron and a shrew, and all this other stuff. You feel bad for the wife because clearly she would rather be back in England with the nice shit. And she's followed her husband up to this point led to two children's death uh and you feel really bad yeah. for the kids because they're all up there listening to her mom saying we're not going to live through the winter we're cursed we're going to die yeah. uh we gotta send thomason away to the neighbors to live as a slave like it's uh it's man uh it's all it's all fucked it's like in my notes say this is so fucked <laughs> yeah Uh, from that scene yeah and then you mentioned that you didn't think the mom or dad are cursed but like what would you call when the witch comes at the end and visits the family lands on the barn the mother gets up and sees caleb holding her brother and you know she's swaddling this babe that she thinks is a babe and she's rapturously joyful but then you see it's a black crow just pecking her breast out
1: yeah okay
0: but but is I that like after that the scene, family's fully in because like you know then black philip attacks yeah. like is is that just like the 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 witch uh or the devil getting all of his hands around
1: the family's throat or totally yeah yeah it's like everything's already too far gone at that point like the yeah no, it doesn't matter that she's cursed because she's dead anyway and just like yeah I'm still
0: not sure. I don't even know, like, because like a part of me wants to say those kids are acting out, like they are framing Thomason as a like a petty game, and they're writhing yep. on the ground uh, and pretending to be catatonic. Because like it does seem like when the dad grabs them and scares them, they're quick to be like, okay, okay, we were. They don't say they were faking, but then on the other hand, if the devil's pulling everyone's strings, he it's impossible. It's impossible. Like if once you start believing in invisible things affecting people invisibly you can no longer logic yourself out of that situation. You can't like sure. law and order call witnesses. I mean, that's the Salem witch, witch trials, right? Those weren't, mm-hmm. that's not justice. That's not
1: science. Um, but it's yeah. the world they lived in. No, that's, a, that's part of the genius of this movie too, is it lets you guess if, if you want to like keep believing that something other than the supernatural is happening here, you're allowed to because, and the movie gives you license to, um, and and at the same time, like I acknowledge that I think the movie firmly puts its foot into one camp, uh, which is, hey, there's something evil afoot here, and it is supernatural. but but it doesn't. It, I, I feel like it's giving you opportunities to say, I'm not sure about that.
0: Why don't you think that dad kills Black Philip? Because it, there's a certain point in the movie where like you're not sure if Thomason or the, he's not sure if Thomason's the witch, the the twins are the witch. But everyone's in agreement that Black Philip is where the evil is emanating
1: from. Why doesn't he kill that goat? I don't know because he moves to right. Like he he picks up a weapon and he's gonna go at Black Philip, but then he puts it down. Well, I'm talking about before that happens. Like when he chooses oh. to
0: imprison his children in the barn with Black Philip. Why doesn't he just kill that goat when right. like once he like learns that like because I think he's convinced that that goat is Satan. And part of me like so here's my theory he's still holding on hope that he can turn this thing around and that goat is a lot of money
1: that yeah, goat is
0: is going to make more goats with the girls it's going to keep the the girl goats uh, uh making mm-hmm. milk and if he kills black philip then it's really over because i think when yeah. he's promising his wife because he promises his wife two days in a row that at first dawn we're out of here uh-huh. and yeah something happens but something bad that should have just put the fire of hell underneath your ass to get back to town and they keep staying there to keep. I think that he thinks that he can turn things around right up until he gets gored by black Philip, And that's his sin of pride. I think you're right. Mm -hmm. But I do wonder like, why does he give up the black Philip? Why doesn't he kill black Philip at the end?
1: At the the very end. Yeah. When black Philip has gored him. Right. Uh, Why doesn't he take a knife to him or an ax? I don't know. I don't have a good explanation for that. Did you notice right at the end, this is something Cecily
0: pointed out to me because she's seen this film like five times. Uh, why? Because why, why, his dad. there's a point in the film where his dad's like surveying, like the twins are gone. The, the barn's been ravaged. Thomason is bereft and crying. His wife is bereft and crying. And he's sitting there trying to ponder what to do. And he's distracting. He kind of looks up in the sky for like two seconds and then Black Phillip gores him. Mm -hmm. Cecily's theory is that he saw the witch flying and that like distracted him for the goat to get in there and bore him.
1: My first thought would have been like, he's looking to God for a solution, but like that's what I, that's, I I think that might be
0: something. And just as he looks to God, Satan's there to kick him in the nuts. But I I
1: almost wish there, there could have been something like a shadow come over him or something like that. Right. Yeah. To say that, because I think that's a cool idea that he is about to look to God, but instead he sees in the sky, the evil, Uh, that could be super cool. And then it kills him. I, I don't know. And and then when he, you know, is gored by Philip to death, he looks to the heaven and says, corruption. Thou art my father. Right. Mm -hmm. Which, which I can't tell if that is him, you know, resigning him himself to the fate, uh, and his evil nature and that he is not, going to get into heaven because of the things he's done. And he feels like he deserves it for lying to his wife or whatever. Or if that is him petitioning God one last time, look, I I am evil. I am a sinner. Please have mercy on me. That kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, But, but earlier he's talking about sparing his children, even though he knows he's evil. Um, So, so yeah, I'm, I'm not totally keying into what they're putting down with the father in this movie. Although I do think pride is a big part of it, like you said. And it's fine. Like I,
0: this film, I think uh, for as unambiguous as a lot of it is like having a little bit of ambiguity and like d- room for debate yeah. about everyone's because like, you know, it lets you get different things from, from, from different people's experiences. But mm-hmm. I felt like that's the thing is like the movie is so explicit and then it gets to the very, there's this scene like where things are kind of like weird and then like and it continues that through alice or thomason going to talk to black philip and just as she turns around and man i get such chills where the when the devil first answers her and it's yep. like what dost thou want because it's like a silky voice but mm-hmm. it's like there's a little bit of reptilian quality or an, an unnatural quality and then That camera trick they do of showing Black Phillip's feet start to take steps and it seamlessly transforms into the guy's boot. Yeah. Uh, And then how just like, oh, God, everything about how he's like blended into the shadows. But you can tell he's a very good looking young man. It's very well dressed. And the way he puts his hand on his shoulder and I, I will guide thy hand. It. I, it's it's so fucking creepy and it still like, again, gives me shivers every time I hear because you just like, I remember watching it the first time was like, what is like, what's what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And then just as I was like with Thomas like, well, it's not going to happen. He speaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then actually becomes a devil. I just think that's, a, that's fucking incredible. It's my second favorite scene in the
1: film. Yeah. Yeah, this whole ending sequence, I mean, is indelibly written into my memory. Like from... From that scene where she speaks to Black Philip, yeah. and he turns to the devil, and then her stripping naked, walking through the woods to this witch's coven, performing some sort of ritual, and she gets swept up into that and pulled up into the air with him. It's it's yeah, I, I will never forget that imagery because it is so intensely creepy to me and otherworldly off putting all the words you can think to describe something just wrong. Yeah. That's what he's putting on screen. I feel like the movie has
0: a couple different points where it could have ended and been as good, yeah. but maybe like, for example, when she goes back in the cabin, just puts her head on the, the, the table and goes to sleep. It the movie could have uh-huh. faded to black there. And it's still been an incredible film. Mm-hmm. It could have ended when the devil says, puts his hand on his shoulder and says, I'll guide thy hand. And it fades to black. But the fact that it just keeps going to something truly insane. Yeah. This naked girl walking with this goat hand in hand to this coven. And these women are just like dancing. And she starts flying into the air, the body covered in blood, uh, c- laughing, crying. You're not really sure exactly. Like, uh-huh. the, it's like, you know, the, uh, uh, this this young woman is insane, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love it. And I, I, there's so many people that's like, I laughed out loud when she took off her clothes and started flying in the air. And I'm like, I just don't know how you get to that point in the film psychologically to where you're ready to laugh. But again, that's exactly how I feel about hereditary where all the middle-aged people get (laughs) naked and start doing sex magic and how I feel in Hmm. midsummer during the bear suit, like shenanigans. Like I, maybe it's because Nick Cage in The wicker man, uh, could be, but like there's just something that where and i I just would love to know I'd like to get to the bottom of like why I find the witch terrifying and hereditary and midsummer kind of a joke and why some people feel intensely the opposite way uh it's fascinating to me how people can have such different reactions to extremely similar material uh, yeah. I think it's a dread I think it's the thing because like n- neither hereditary nor midsummer like maintains that op- oppressive atmosphere throughout the whole whole film gotcha uh what else do you want to talk about because we do have uh, some stuff from from joey to consider yeah let's get to joey stuff okay it's questions to me there's a specific point in both the witch and the lighthouse where i always get a feeling of a dread and think oh shit this is a really serious problem it's gotten completely out of the character's control is there a particular scene in the witch that makes you think wow this family is completely screwed in the Lighthouse, I see it as when Willem Dafoe informs Robert Pattinson that they ran out of booze, and they both graduate to drinking monkey pump to get high. <laughs> oh yeah, this comes relatively late in the movie and finalizes the character's complete descent into madness. Uh, I'll so I'll give you his opinion on the Witch, but what do you have a like a similar kind of thing in the Witch?
1: Uh, yeah, it's it's the return of Caleb and the 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 I don't know cur- cursing of Caleb and his death. Yeah, i I'm, I'm just like well, that's it. These people are fucked. This is clearly witchcraft. This is clearly the devil at work. And he's taking all comers here.
0: Yeah, I think when they go off, what was their plan? What was Thomason and uh, Caleb's plan were they going to oh. go out and he was like, because he, he's, he's going to go out and like they were get getting up the early in the morning and, and get the all meat. the fur and, and hope mm-hmm. that and, and they were blessed. That was the one time where was everything was every trap was full and they're yeah. like, oh, we can take this back and we can eat and we can trade to furs and we won't have to give you up. That was the plan. Yeah. OK, I wasn't yeah. sure about that. But when they lost a horse, I'm like, there's you're, you're fucked. You're yeah. fucked. Like if it's a day's ride to the nearest help and you just lost your horse, you're like, <laughs> what, a week? a week away from like walking if you know
1: it's it's to me it's when the curse comes out of the woods right it's because when the curse is contained within the woods when it's taking Samuel into the woods to do its dark deeds when it's bringing you know Caleb into the witch's hut to do whatever they're going to do to him that's one thing because you can just avoid it by staying outside of its domain but when it comes out to get you that's the turning point for me where there is no recourse. there There is no respite from this evil.
0: I remember the first time I watched it thinking that, like, Al, uh, Anya Toy uh, Taylor-Joy would survive, but in, like, a traditional kind of, like, horror movie, the, the one innocent kind of survives and thrives. Yeah. But that yeah. didn't happen. That didn't <laughs> no. happen. No. Um, uh, Joey is even... Um, was, was really early on the family. says, so I see it in the early shots showing the family leave the plantation and their first night alone. These shots make you completely understand in three minutes the hopelessness of the family situation and never get a chance that they had, or I never get since they had any chance of survival once they leave the settlement. Hmm. Um, when they were banished, they were really handed a death sentence by their community, especially with winter approaching. It's like, yeah. I, 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 I did not feel it. like the community wanted to do that. I felt like the dad was baiting it. I, I got... <laughs> You know, we'll never know what they did, but Holy shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two, I really enjoy the film uh, reveals 10 minutes into the movie that there is in fact, a witch in the woods and it's doing something completely vile. It -hmm. establishes the witch as a serious threat, ratchets up the film's tension instead of deflating it because the audience knows that there's a threat, but the chances, but the characters are unaware of it. Much like Hitchcock's bomb under the table philosophy. Do you agree with this instance or do you think the witch shouldn't have been revealed until later?
1: No, I a hundred percent think that's the right choice. It, yeah. It keeps me from. Yeah. It keeps me from uh, turning this movie into like a mystery movie. You know, it's a psychological thriller. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's, it's the thing that establishes the dread of the tone of this movie. I think. Uh,
0: what are some scenes or images that really stuck out to you for me? The image of Lisa, Aaron, nursing a crow who's pecking her breast away is memorably horrifying Mm -hmm. we've talked about a lot of final shot final shot sticks out but like i I, we talked about this like i there was a couple things i didn't remember but like so many of these films frames are burnt indelibly into my 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 eyeballs yes um but another one is like caleb slowly approaching the witch's house and like the door is open i mean it's just sitting there and like again it's one of those ultra Mm and then suddenly this pale foot slips out of the
1: yeah you know like <laughs> it's perfect and, it's and of course great, the, it's so great the witch spreading the the viscera of this ground up <sighs> baby on herself and her broom i i'm still uncomfortable uh, every time her yeah. hands
0: are like going all over the baby's body and then the the knife comes over and i'm like oh god what are they going to do what are they going to do what um yeah i will say so like uh, how was your experience of watching this because i've got a, i've got a pretty good television got a great sound system i watched it in pitch black and w- i watched on apple tv plus mm-hmm. and i was a little bummed out because at the very inky blackiest range there was so much banding the codec just kind of massacred
1: some of the darkest scenes did that happen for you no no i wonder if that's I wonder it can be the tv right no, because it was just You're on certain nice plasma,
0: and it was like it was definitely like they're just. I, I my the the Kodak needed thirty two million shades of black, and I it only could give him sixteen million, and it was just banding out. And huh, and I, I wonder I, if you I think had some
1: it, like uh, bandwidth issues at the time. I wonder like in because like scene.
0: I've seen th- like I've got the Master and Commander Blu ray, and those fucking blacks look solid on my TV. I, I kind of want to get this Blu ray to to see if it's right. my TV that's a problem or. You know, this would be I, a great yeah.
1: 4K Blu-ray for sure.
0: And it's most of the scenes, like when there was any any light at all on the screen, it was pretty solid. But when you got in those really inky blacks, like the very interior of the, especially when it's transitioning from totally black to totally black, there was some banding and blocking, and I was bummed out.
1: And yeah, well, we didn't even talk about the some of the making of this like the cinematography they used all natural lighting for this movie not not an ounce not a single photon of reproduced lighting it was all candles it was all outdoors it was all natural sources and I think that gives a realistic feel to it to the whole thing and
0: it's an old timey like 1.6 ratio um it's funny oh, yeah. because I, I was reading his AMA that he did right after The Witch on Reddit. And he's like, I'm actually thinking of doing a black and white film in in like a three to four aspect ratio. And people mm-hmm. are losing their minds <laughs> like, what the fuck? What the? And that became Lighthouse, right? Exactly, yeah. But this is an old timey frame. I and mean, I guess he used like old cameras and even some old film stock to achieve yeah. some of these uh, things. But he also was uh, one thing I found in AMA that he... He's loath to admit it, but like they struggled with the camera equipment and some of those extremely slow pans. Because like I guess this place was doggy, but bo- not doggy, boggy, and their dollies were literally sinking. Uh, and they some <laughs> of these some of these extremely uh-huh. physical slow. They, they digitally zoomed like two or three of the zooms because they couldn't get that thing to be slow and controlled enough to to do what they wanted. And he's uh-huh. like, I'm really pissed. I, I loathe yeah. to admit that we did some of that out out of the camera. <laughs>
1: Whatever, dude. You got it done.
0: Uh, I think you can make an argument for any character being the standout, but who do you, who do both of you think had the most arresting best performance?
1: I Man. mean, yeah. I, I think Ralph Innocent is incredible in this movie. Um, as, as William, the the father, uh, there's something about him. Like his voice is, is strange. You know, he's got he's got a very like voice, th- that kind of voice where it sounds like his vocal cords are just a little bit too long. Um, mm, so it's yeah. like almost rattly. It's very deep. Uh, yeah, there, there's and the the fire that he brings to this performance is incredible, I think.
0: Like I said, that but that point where he becomes genuinely terrified um, yeah. as is is something else. I mean, I. I remember walking away from this movie thinking, who is the blonde because she's (laughs) Uh going places. And it's now it's like I've seen so much more of her work. And so what's, you know, like she's a very hypnotic performer. I mean, I know physically she's super beautiful, but I've seen hot girls in films before. There's something about her eyes and how like like, uh, possessed she is. That is just like it's hard to not look like she just draws your eyes, I think. Um, yeah, she's
1: not a conventionally attractive person. She's no. you know, she has a very strange, exotic sort of look to her, and, and unspecifically exotic, right? It's not right. like oh, you can point to what about her is exotic. She has big eyes, which I think helps. Um, it, it, people like are drawn in, I guess, by big eyes. But like, yeah, she's she's excellent. And then, of course, well, I don't know his name, but the the middleist boy in this, oh, is Harvey incredible. Scrimshaw. Harvey Scrimshaw, yeah,
0: I just remember because that sounds like a that sounds like a, a 16th century Puritan name, totally. Yeah, yeah Harvey Scrimshaw, like what isn't a Scrimshaw like literally carving whalebone or some shit? Like it's like <laughs> oh, I don't know, that's that's insane. Um, like yeah, th- th- there's no one in this film that doesn't do exactly what they need to do and is not yeah. utterly con-
1: and, and, and completely convincing and real. Right. Shout out to Kate Dickie, she's always excellent. Uh, she plays characters who are hard to like but she plays them excellently
0: uh the film has no comedy in it except for the one line i always get a good belly laugh when ralph innocent screams at did you make some unholy bond with that goat it's not played for laughs, laughs but the absurdity the line always gets me what quotes stuck with you um i think one thing i'm going to be quoting for a good long while is the dad saying uh let me see what is the exact quote i wrote it down um a gray day like this, the devil holds your eyelids shut. <laughs> That's why I feel like every day I'm trying to wake yeah. up in the dead of winter when like, you know, my bedroom is freezing cold and my bed's super warm, like the devil's holding my eyelids shut. <laughs> That's my quote.
1: Yeah, I don't have a lot of quotes from this movie. Um, it's, you know, that old English type stuff that I don't know. I, I doubt I'll be quoting this much, but that's, that's the pretty good. D's and thousands of dows.
0: Dost thou, dost thou wish, was it, w- w- to live deliciously? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a really, like that, that whole, all that dialogue with the devil is fucking banger. It's so creepy and so seductive and they make the devil,
1: the stupid sexy devil. Mm-hmm. Um, man, Johnny, just, Johnny devil, Johnny Depp. I, yeah. I know, this guy reminds me of Johnny Depp. I don't, I don't know why. Hmm interesting because
0: he doesn't like yeah maybe he's because like if you see him in the expanse he doesn't look anything like this but you know you shoot him in like with what lit by one candle in like jet black mm-hmm. leather three musketeer gear um, he yeah. comes across as very very attractive uh, all the evil is portrayed as like seductive you know like the young witch and the, the young hot devil
1: eh, uh, the old witch not so eh, much, yeah, not so
0: much <laughs> her. not so much her but most uh, of it you're right milking the goat um well that will do it talk quiet. we we actually made a a podcast exactly as long as the movie i think nice uh joey mohan mohan thank you very much for commissioning this podcast as a treat i knew it was going to be awesome the second uh you nominated it also Uh, thank
1: you for living to see it to to hear it rather like yeah i I don't know what this podcast would look like if that there was a darker tone tone to this yeah to the background.
0: yeah i'm uh i that would that that uh and then i it, uh, sorry you're having to run a bad luck of late uh i hope everything's looking up from here on out i hope you have a long and happy and healthy life with as much quality of life as you can get again yeah. everybody uh please uh f- fill out your organ donor cards you're not going to you're not going to take it with you. <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, and it can make a huge difference. Uh, the people who are still uh, breathing oxygen. So thank you so much for your generous support, Joey. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you would like to commission a podcast to find out what we like about your favorite movie or you want to torture us with something truly shitty. Uh, e- either way, go to support.baldmove.com. Click on commission podcast and uh, there you go. Uh, it's, it's all right there um we'll see you on the next one until then i'm aaron and i'm jim later